Debbie Georgiatis, welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about Biden's new world order was not a blunder that he said that. Lynn Davenport, host of the Social Impact Podcast, joins me to talk about the transhumanism agenda and more. The lawless Biden DOJ versus Project Veritas and taking COVID jab ruled a suicide. Not kidding. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Many of you probably saw the little clip coming out of the words of he who occupies the White House at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Joe Biden. He used the words uh, New World Order yesterday. I sent that little clip to Mr. Becker. I'd like to quick play that for you and talk about that briefly in today's first five. You know, we are at an inflection point, I believe, in the world economy. Not just the world economy, in the world. It occurs every three or four generations. As one of them, as the uh, one of the top military people said to me in a secure meeting the other day, 60, 60 million people died between 1900 and 1946, and uh, since then we established a liberal world order, and that hadn't happened in a long while. A lot of people died, but nowhere near the chaos. And now is a time when things are shifting. We're going to there's going to be a new world order out there. And we've got to lead it. And we've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. So anyway. Many people heard those remarks by President Biden and heard his use of the expression New World Order and spouted off right away on social media. Okay, there go those loony conspiracy theorists. They're going to have a heyday with this. I want to make some comments about how serious it is that he used that expression. Number one, he is hearing that expression <clears throat> Excuse me, in his... Uh, briefings, it is among the things that many people at the high levels of the Democrat Party support. For many years, and myself, uh, yours truly included, when I heard people, I often use the expression New World Order, I often had the same reaction as many might now say, oh my gosh, those conspiracy theorists, they're always thinking up some crazy new meaning and crazy new conspiracy theory. In fact, When you look up New World Order at Wikipedia, which I recommend you never use Wikipedia for anything whatsoever, but just to make my point, in Wikipedia, there's a full, uh, very lengthy article that is the answer, is the description of New World Order, right after it says conspiracy theory, and it goes on to say it is a conspiracy theory which hypothesizes a secretly emerging totalitarian world government. A common theme in conspiracy theories about New World Order is a secret of power, elite with a globalist agenda, conspiring to eventually rule the world. And the tone of the entire article is mockery and ridicule about the idea that anyone would believe this, that there might be people who really want a New World Order. And why I wanted to talk about that today, it really ties into many, many topics we've talked about in the show. But one weapon the anti-American left, the cultural Marxist left, use is mockery, derision, and it silences many people. So even if you say, well, maybe he used the term New World Order kind of offhandishly. First of all, I don't think hardly anything he says. Uh, He's been trained what to say. But I want to say that right now, as we sit here in 2020, almost everyone is aware that the World Economic Forum Uh, run by Klaus Schwab and a meeting of all of the ruling elite, not just Americans, but around the world, the ruling elite, those who think they're really should be kind of running everything in the world. They're very openly talking about the World Economic Forum, openly talking about the Great Reset. They had an excuse with climate change as one reason that the world should confer more power on some international body in order to address this 
uh, emergency of climate change. And, and I think for many people, uh, people have come to realize that the climate change alarmism is kind of a cult and is not, is not something that we're going to give away our freedom in order to fight against. So now Klaus Schwab, again, Klaus Schwab, the head, the founder of World Economic Forum, very openly wrote about using COVID, the emergency, the alleged emergency created by COVID as a basis, as an excuse to launch the new world order. He, only he calls it the Great Reset. What I want to plant in your thinking, and I will be talking more about this, is the Great Reset, the, the uh, new world order, this concern about a globalist cabal, uh, a globalist socialist cabal that wants to rule the world. These are not conspiracy theories. They're all the same thing. It's the, con it's the different words used for the same concept, which is there are many people who are dedicated to the notion that the world really needs the really, really smart people ruling the world, helping to redistribute wealth, make life fairer. They used climate change as an excuse to claim why they had to do a massive wealth redistribution. We've talked about that in the show before. Several of the leaders of that movement actually said in open meetings, yeah, we're, you know, climate change is our excuse. The mission is worldwide wealth redistribution, the primary goal of socialism. The reason it matters for you to understand this is that it's one thing if people hold a meeting every year and talk about the importance of various policies and they think they're kind of the they're kind of above all the peasants these you know billions in the world who live their little lives doing whatever it is they do these people think they're smarter they they should have more power they have better ideas and they know how to make the world fairer better safer healthier etc 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 all those people are using, it's the same concept, whether you call it the Great Reset, the New World Order, the globalist agenda, it's all the idea that for those people, they think they know better than everyone else. For my show, and why I care about it so much, is my show, America Can We Talk, is dedicated to preserving America. Dedicated to preserving the founding ideas of America as reflected in the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the structure of America that is all around the idea, idea of trying to protect the right of the individual to live in freedom. The idea that people have rights from God, as the, as the Declaration recites, and they have rights to life, liberty, they have God-endowed rights, God-given rights, to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. With the founding ideas of America were the most extraordinary ideas that ever founded any country in the world. And those ideas are perfectly available to any other country in this world. I do not think America uniquely should have them. The world would be a better place for every single resident on the planet if more and more countries took heed of and embraced the America's founding ideas that man has God-given rights, the rights to live in liberty, and has rights, et cetera, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and all of that. The reason I'm telling you this matters so very much is that what in order for the globalist world economic forum great reset people whatever you want to call that group the reason the the vehicle they have to have to get to the goal they want the vehicle must be the ending of the unique identity of the nation state and of all the countries on this planet earth the one country whose identity whose founding ideas founding principles stand in the way of that globalist great reset new world order agenda is united states of america because we are committed to the right of the individual to live in freedom we're committed to private property ownership we're committed to the right that each of us has life liberty pursuit of happiness freedom of speech freedom of religion all sorts of freedoms utterly inconsistent with the goal of the left-wing, anti-American, Marxist, New World Order, Great Reset folks. It matters that he who occupies the White House, Joe Biden, actually said New World Order. That used to be an idea that was whispered in the back rooms of many um, left-wing organizations, whispered in the ideas in the halls of academia and the faculty lounges. It has become more mainstreamed as the anti-American left, the Democrat Party, has become more openly Marxist. Openly, the idea that they do believe they should have more and more power and control over the people. And so the idea that Joe Biden felt comfortable saying New World Order is significant. The left believes they have, they have greased the skids, they've prepared the way for this idea for the American people to accept it, that somehow all of us would be better off abandoning all the promise of America and its unique and extraordinary greatness. Uh, all of us will be better off 
abandoning those ideas and those promises and living under what they will create, as they think they'll create, a more uh, just and uh, fair and uh, safe world when they're, what they're really doing is destroying. They have to destroy to get there, destroying America, which is actually the role model which would give everyone in the world more freedom, more justice, more prosperity, everything good that everyone on the planet really wants. We'll be talking about this more, but closing out the first five, Joe Biden chose to say New World Order and his handlers chose to have him say New World Order because it is actually where the anti-American left is headed. It is what they think is the better answer. Abandoning America's constitutional protections and constitutional structure, it is their agenda. And this show, I am dedicated to preserving America, speaking up and explaining as best I can on issue after issue as it applies to every issue that faces America, why America is unique and extraordinary and great, and why it is that every single person in America needs to get on board for standing up and speaking up for the preservation of America. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. I mentioned at the start of the show, we have a guest. She's in studio, which always is fun. We have a, a friend in studio. Um, so she is, uh, she, I'm sorry, I'm going to turn my pages here. Um, she is uh, Lynn Davenport. She's the host of her own uh, podcast. I want to ask her to talk about that. It's called Social Impact Podcast. Um, and she's going to talk about the transhumanism agenda. And that's another word, by the way, before I, I bring her on and let her talk about that. She went to a conference recently in which they talked about the transhumanism agenda. But the reason I want to talk to her today, so she went to that conference, but I want to also mention that just as the New World Order used to be something that kind of creepy leftists would whisper to each other and say, yeah, we're going to do this someday, and these foolish Americans won't realize what we're doing until we've, got, we, we, you know, we've gotten our tentacles into America's culture and politics and society, and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, the New World Order will be just uh, what everyone is okay with. It's kind of the same idea with transhumanism. It was a creepy, creepy idea, whispered in the dark uh, recesses of creepy places, but now it's a pretty open uh, and left-wing agenda. And I think it's really important. It's also a concept that most of us, even you, know, you kind of want to look it up. Don't look it up on Wikipedia. You want to look up what does it even mean? So I'd like to introduce our guest today, Lynn Davenport. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Debbie. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. And you know what? Actually, before we even get into the transhumanism, now let's start with that. Mm -hmm. Now, let's start with your podcast. Quickly tell our listeners about your podcast okay. and how they find it. Well, it's Social Impact, and it's on the Offbeat Business Media Network. And uh, it, I, I basically, I talk about education issues. I talk about health issues, transhumanism. Uh, I've talked about all of that's happened under the the COVID lockdowns and, and the biosecurity state that they've created for us. And so I, I cover a wide range of things and even politics. Even politics, mm -hmm. all right then. Okay, so you recently attended, when you told me, that, I think in a text message, <laughs> I'm going to a transhumanism conference, um, uh, a Mormon transhumanism conference, I said, wow, okay. So just- First I, of all, I'm not Mormon and I'm not a transhumanist. <laughs> so let me just give that as a disclaimer. But uh, I heard about it through a, a friend of mine, Allison McDowell, she's a really phenomenal researcher on all of the, on what's happening with, the uh, this global transformation and and the fourth industrial revolution, which you've talked about through the the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab and all of that, but uh, it, so we've we've become friends through the education research, and uh, so she told me about this and I said okay road trip, but I flew there, and it's the only thing that that uh, will make me wear a mask is if I have to get on a plane. Otherwise, I yeah. refuse to wear it. So we go to the conference, and it, I mean, it was a very impressive event. I will say that uh, the the they were very kind, and uh, it was it was well run, and they had a list. I mean, a, a mile long of speakers, and they were on a tight schedule, and uh, so they the. The Mormon Transhumanist Association, MTA, I, I have to also say that they're, they're different than the Latter-day Saints because I attended with some other fellow moms and researchers who do not subscribe to this. They're deeply concerned about this. So they distinguish themselves between Mormons and Latter-day Saints. The Jesus Christ okay, of Latter-day Saints. I didn't even, so you, I didn't understand this from our conversation that yeah. the Mormons separate themselves from Latter-day Saints. Okay. Or the Latter-day Saints. The Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints separate themselves and they distinguish them. There's a difference between that and just a blanket Mormon. Okay. Uh, so and I didn't understand that, but I ate dinner with them at the end of it. So I just 
shout out to the, the, the ladies that we ate dinner with because they, they, they're deeply concerned about transhumanism, which I will define. I think that Please we should start with, that. start with that. So, yes. so transhumanism, it, it's, it's basically man merging with machine. It is, uh, in a way, it's a, it, it's a, we, we have reached our fullest potential as humans, and so there are those who want to extend life, and, 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 uh, and really we can combine our bodily functions and things with technology. And of course, in the medical field, you'll see all kinds of advances that can be used for good. But just like anything else, they, they have dual use. And dual use is an important, uh, un, it's, a, it's important to understand what I mean by when I say dual use. So it's pitched as, oh, this will be good for you uh, to, uh, like a nanobot. Okay, you can put a nanobot in your body and it could detect things, it could see things. And, and But you wouldn't want to have nanobots in your food and that's happening too so I'd say about 80% of it is bad 20% is good but they always pitch it as this will be good for us this is an advancement there are those who want to play God I, I do believe it can be a coup on God and that they want to play God extend life and bring people back to life there, there are all of those things coming too and there's ethical issues with this as well okay I have to say so transhumanism you're saying your definition is to combine uh, with humans some some kind of machinery and you gave a good example of the the uh, mm -hmm. nanobots injected so inside it could race through your system and say oh i, I mean maybe detect disease yes yes okay and, and, and there's there are other things that are that uh, as far as the mormon transhumanist association they re, they view it as a an as exalting themselves and and um as, as a means supporting to human transhumanism is exalting themselves. Yeah, yeah. so it, it, they they said I think uh, the the they said spiritual and physical exaltation, and so th there there are nuances there that I don't fully understand because I don't fully understand the Mormon faith, but uh, as a Christian, that I believe that you when you when I die. I, I meet my maker and that I, I'm united with Jesus and I, I go to heaven. Uh, they, they have a different, uh, they, they believe something different happens when they die. And so I, I'm, I'm not here to, to debate that, but I do believe that that's a piece of this, why uh, the Mormon faith does, uh, this uh, transhumanism appeals to the Mormon faith because of celestial, um, things that happen in the celestial realm. And that okay. this would help them. I know this is like really hairy. Okay, heavy we're stuff. good. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to so, hit the political angles of some. Yeah. Of this okay. Stuff, so yeah. let. So as far as the speaker, so the they some of the topics they had, uh, decentralize the decentralization of God, and they use uh, the term blockchain technologies. You've heard of that. That's how they're going to decentralize government, but they they were trying to tie it in with God. And I thought, okay, decentralizing They're God, does decentralize. that mean, does that, do they, because to me it sounds like, okay, you want to break up the power of God and kind of <laughs> disperse that. Uh, and in a way, I think that is kind of what they're, they're talking about. And the way that they were pitching transhumanism as being a good thing is through technology, you can reach everyone across the entire planet. You can level the playing field. You can break up these centralized government governments, these authorities, these bureaucracies, uh, the the elite. You know, we talked about through the, transhumanism. Through transhumanism. Yes. Okay, I can't understand I know. it. Okay. <laughs> because think about it. Okay, so you have a device. You have you can be accessed and you can have access through technology. Okay, so picture everyone in the planet is now connected to a device. That's how it will start. Okay. And, and, and so I know you're like, and this is good news about? to them. I, it's good news to them. Yes. And they say that that will give everyone, uh, you could have um, agency to, you, you could vote. Uh, you, uh, you could, everybody has a vote. Everybody can participate in what they call swarming and AI, artificial intelligence and the hive mind. So I think this is very, um, when you talked about the new world order, when you think about how would you establish a new world order, what's the best way to do that? You you diminish the nation states. You destroy nation states. Exactly. Everybody's on board. Everybody's on board. Blur with the lines. Being. There are no there there are no borders. There right. are no nations. Everybody. It's it's a one world government. It's one world currency. It's one religion. Everybody has to be 
on this same, in the same hive mind. We all have to be moving in the same direction. And I believe the way that they're, they're going to do that is through blockchain technology. And, okay. and that, that was a big part of this conference, is talking yeah. about blockchain. And Define I'll, blockchain. Blockchain, okay, so it, it's essentially just, a, a, it's blocks of data. But the, it's, um, the way that blockchain works is, it's a way where you can store your cryptocurrency, you've heard of that, digital yeah. currency, uh, your vaccine information, history, medical, uh, uh, your transcripts, your, uh, it really, it, it, it's like a wallet. Think of it as like a digital wallet that will hold all of your information. And why it's pitched as being so great is because it's it, it's it, decentralization, meaning you cut out the middleman, you cut out that governmental agency, you cut out that bank that has the, you know, the people who make money, um, the intermediaries, you cut out the bureaucracy and uh, like school systems, you would cut out all of those things because you could access your transcripts without having to deal with the registrar's office. You could cut out the administration uh, of, of any agency. So, so it, it, it's pitched as you will own your own data and that sounds great, but there are as you know, everything, there's, there's a dark side to that. And yeah. Yeah, I'm going to jump in for a second and just mm -hmm. talk about what I played last week. I think I mentioned to you in an email uh, I played last week on our show. We have uh, Dr. Harari, is a, um, he's actually an Israeli uh, gentleman who is now a top advisor to Klaus Schwab, and, and he's a big transhumanist. The way he speaks about it is, you know, essentially that you can, uh, through transhumanism, uh, you really are going to eviscerate the idea of anyone's individual identity. You can use, he said his term is human beings, humans are hackable. Mm -hmm. You use machines to hack into humans and, and he's touting this as a good thing, and then you can hack into humans, and he, and he scoffs at the idea of God. He just says, you know, there's not some God up in the sky, there's not some soul. You're just, humans are just machines that can be orchestrated, manipulated, and controlled by transhumanism. So, and this would fit in well with someone like Klaus Schwab, who wants the entire planet to be under control of the way he thinks about things. And so the idea of this very creepy Dr. Harari, or I'm calling him creepy, uh, who is Israeli, uh, or was Israeli, and now is a top advisor of Schwab, is, is basically saying transhumanism, end of uh, God, end of the idea of soul, uh, we're going to invade, we through transhumanism, we control everything, and people's individuality, their soul, their identity uh, is, is gone. It has, it's just mm -hmm. human unique identity as you know it is obliterated so right and there's there's what you know there's hardware there's software and then there's wetware we are the wetware and Ugh. so I, I know i know <laughs> but it, and the thing is, is it <laughs> i wouldn't talk i wouldn't do what i do if i didn't have hope i i do believe that there that that humanity will rise up and resist this but they have to understand what's coming and so it, it's uh, people like you've all uh, you've all know how do you say it uh you all know a harari yeah it, it's hard to tell it sounds like he's for this he will tell us about some of the pitfalls but then he also is he's pushing us oh he's an advocate this, i would say i would say he's an advocate too there there's there was some uh the, there were people who were saying both sides of it but uh, so uh, it, with the World Economic Forum, you mentioned that. So the, one of the most controversial speakers at the, the conference was Dr. Tamika Tillman. And he uh, it was, uh, he's a member of the World Economic For Forum's uh, Council for the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Yep. And I always just do hashtag 4IR for short. But the Fourth Industrial Revolution is what they are imposing on us to bring in this new world order and, the, and this transhumanism. Another word you'll hear is biotech, and biotech sounds you know benign, it, it, but biotech is that—that's the exploitation of biological processes. It is also genetic manipulation. You'll see that with CRISPR technology, C-R-I-S-P-R. Um, and I, I've read a lot about that in Israel. And Israel seeks to be the world leader in transhumanism. So how are they going to impose this? I asked this, this Dr. Uh, Tillman, I said, are you not concerned about biometric IDs and digital identity? And, this, and he mentioned the pandemic as being a great way to, to bring about change. Well, yeah, it's the perfect global tool that they're using to move us in this direction. So I'm concerned, I said, are you not concerned about us uh, having uh, 
basically it's digital enslavement. And he said, yes, I am very concerned about that. But yet that's all he does is, is push this stuff. And, and everyone at that conference, they only presented the positives on all of this technology and, and the Web3, you know, they talk about um, Web3 is the spatial web where we're all going to live in the metaverse and we're all going to be in virtual reality with headsets on because this life will be so miserable they want to put us in in this virtual space. It's just, it's just, it's unthinkable. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's unthinkable. It's actually much broader. This transhumanism thing, uh, when it's described by Dr. Harari, you think, my gosh, you know, everyone's going to reject mm -hmm. that. But then when you're hearing what you're describing, this conference, well, all these great things could come out of it. And so, I mean, what is the net out? Like, like, is it mostly a threat or not? Oh, no, it's, it's more than just a threat. And so I, I think that people need to understand what it looks like on the ground level. What does it look like in my community so that I can recognize right. what are the things that, because it doesn't just pop on the scene like, okay, all of a sudden we're transhumanists. No, it comes in through 5G networks, smart cities initiatives, because yep. Dallas is a smart city. Singapore is a smart nation. So understanding the language that they use, they don't say, hi, we're bringing transhumanism to Dallas. Would you like to, you know, <laughs> participate? Because then we vote not do that. We say, uh, no. Yeah, it is funny that RoboCop was filmed in Dallas, I think, because <laughs> we're headed there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, so they'll, they'll pitch it as, okay, well, we need broadband, broadband access everywhere. And they want uh, everyone to have access, access because that's the civil rights issue of our time. And access to the internet gives everyone a level playing field. Well, of course, who would be against people having access to the internet? But uh, broadband access in, in not just the, the urban areas, but rural, that's a big push. And, and Gates and Zuckerberg are part of that initiative to get it um, everywhere. So that, but I, I, I always um, point out, you know, you, you, need, you, you flip it and it's really about accessing everyone. How are they gonna do that? They, the, they access to people in the rural areas rather than the rural areas having access to the internet. Yeah, and not just everyone yeah. on the planet being accessed through technology. Okay, so this <laughs> I, and this is so interesting because you know I, I I had this conversation earlier today with somebody about how the idea you, know, you can dislike a lot of things that scientists are researching, things they want to try to develop. You can say, oh my gosh, you know that sounds terrible. But pretty much we humans, citizens, we don't have a vote on what research happens, what kind of things uh, they're trying to develop, what uh, the whether it's a nano thing inserted in your body, so it's, so it's uh, testing you for diseases or keeping track of you or assessing your status on vaccines, whatever it be doing. You know, we, we can, we don't really have a vote in what they research, but the question is, you know, if you think where this research is going is scary and it's government controlling and it's enabling more and more control, either by our government or eventually by some world government. I mean, so what are people, I mean, how do you even, you can't exactly fight this, you just have to expose it. Well, I did, so like at the commissioner's court uh, here in Dallas County, I saw that they had a smart city. Uh, it was um, a memorandum of understanding with the North Texas Innovation Alliance, the Dallas Innovation Alliance. Anybody who's pushing smart cities, that, that um, you'll see that on agenda items on the city council, on, even in the school districts, they're doing things that will, that will bring in the smart cities. And that's internet of things. The, it's uh, smaller cell towers everywhere. It's, um, you'll see uh, sensors and cameras, surveillance. It, it comes in different forms. With the police, they'll say, you know, we need to do data-driven policing. That means that, you know, they're all wearing body cams. The, there are, are cell towers. There are, are um, the fusion centers. You've heard of fusion centers. So all of these, this infrastructure is being set up. Even smart cameras on uh, the streetlights. And, and you'll, you've seen all the streetlights have been changed out recently. I tell everyone, just look up, just kind of start paying attention to what's going on around you. We just don't, we're used to it. You know, this is really helpful, and I, we'll have to do this another day, too, because mm -hmm. I do want to, I mean, the things that they do, the people who enjoy pursuing these things, they mm -hmm. find really inviting names, and people say, well, geez, I, I, who could be against smart cities? I, I'm smart. I like smart things. Who, who don't so, want to be smart? Yeah. yeah. Who, who's against being smart? Mm -hmm. But what you're, what you're describing is all of what they're developing is enabling this mm -hmm. ultimate 
transhumanism, this ultimate control over everyone, accessing everyone. And I, I, I wonder sometimes in the cities how much people in government understand that. Do they know what they're doing or are they just kind of going along with this? They oh, go this along and they don't ask the questions and they don't ask what are the unintended consequences of this? Where's the informed consent? Because I think that we need to we need to have a conversation about it so that we can weigh the pros and cons. But we're only hearing this is great, we need to do this because this will make us innovative. Exactly right. For our radio listeners, I want to be sure you know this. Is, my name is Debbie Georgiatis. The show is America Can We Talk. You can find it online, americacanwetalk.org. You're going after a three-minute break, and when you're and stay tuned because we have a whole other great half an hour. Come back after your break. Okay. So I do want, Lynn. Honestly, I think we have to have a honestly, like a Thursday <laughs> one-hour immersion in all of this to understand it. I know. Because I think people people just tend to trust government. They will. I mean. Not always, but they oh, think, yeah. well, they wouldn't be doing something really onerous or really ominous. They just don't think yeah. it could be. But what you've, because you are, as I was telling you before we started, a tremendous researcher and thinker and deep diver, mm -hmm. you're making connections of dots that a lot of people don't make and, and, and no. helping us realize if you think you're against this transhumanism thing, then you ought to step back and ask, you know, shouldn't we be against, for example, smart cities? I mean, you're, you're helping people connect those dots. Yeah, and, and I think that it's, if you, you know, like look at our schools, I, I, that's what I'm doing is exposing what's happening in the schools. And we know that all this technology, it's not benefiting the students. We're not any better off. Are we any smarter because we've brought in all of these devices? No, we're further in debt and we're worse off than ever before, yeah. I would say. It's dumbing down. Well, speaking of schools, I do want to allow two more quick things. One is you've talked about blockchain. I know you work on this idea in schools, blockchain technology or the use of blockchain to gather data about children. Mm -hmm. And I think most people still today, even though it's talked about a great deal, will be blown away to think how much information is collected by schools about students and held on to probably only for the year the kids I'm just kidding. Forever. Right. Forever. Your life, your life locker, your your permanent record. Yeah. And, and so I, I'm, I'm part of a parent coalition for student privacy. And so I've been researching the, the data mining of children for a number of years. And what I figured out is that they're using the schools, the, the captive market of the public schools, as a, a way to harvest data and then force these kids into a pipeline that is is targeted by corporations and they're slotting workers for the workforce and they don't really care about the academic piece of it it's all about the workforce you hear i constantly post about this workforce 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 and parents and children really have no capacity in public schools to opt out of this data collection about their kids is that accurate they can but they i think it takes a lot of work to to investigate who what is the agreement that the school district has what's the data sharing agreement what's the memorandum of understanding whatever agreement they have ask for a copy of that because you can get that wow mm -hmm. okay very quickly i know you are running for office and mm -hmm. i would uh, for another and i'd love to have you tell about what you're running for and why in the world i mean you work you do so much work and you write brilliantly and you're you. putting things together and you're an activist so now you're running for an office tell us what and why yes. I'm a glutton for punishment. You uh, are. I was well, going to say that, actually. You know, um, I, I ran for school board five years ago, and I lost that race. I got 46%, and I, I was really upset that I lost because I, I cared deeply about what was happening in the schools. And I was talking about all of this stuff like social-emotional learning, data privacy, technology, all the things that people weren't ready for it then. They're ready for it now. And actually, that was a good thing that I didn't get on the board because I've been able to do other things. I'm pretty much a free agent. But uh, I am now running for a seat on the Dallas College Board. This is the Community College Board, District 1, which covers uh, Lake Highlands and uh, a lot of uh, Richardson ISD all the way up to Addison. And, and the reason why I'm running is because there is so much fraud, waste, and abuse going on at our community college level that I had no idea until probably a year or so ago. They do no-bid contracts. Where there's no competitive bidding. And what really piqued my interest was a blockchain agreement with a company called Greenlight Credentials. And so I figured out that the the public schools, I believe, that's how they're going to impose this digital ID 
on blockchain where you will have to store your vaccine history. This is how you will register for school. This is how they will hold your mental health data. They will hold all of your information and your transcripts and your diplomas and your badges and, and all the, the credentials that you get on this. And they call it the, a life locker. Uh, and, and I call it, you know, it's life on the ledger is what it is, because this blockchain technology is, think of it as like a digital ledger. It, there's nothing inherently wrong with having a, a digital um, uh, wallet, but it, it's pitched as decentralization so that, that um, it cuts out the middleman and you can access and you hold your own data. You, you own it, it's yours. What they leave out as part, it's not decentralized because this is a for-profit company it uh, it um, they hold the data, and, and this who is, has access to and it? And so okay. so the the agreement was done through Dallas ISD Dallas College, which is our community college district, and then um, the education service centers, and, and so they hold it. And I I mean, I, you know, I, I I think that one of the speakers at this transhuman and transhumanism conference what he said I thought was so interesting because he talked about this very technology and how uh, the pandemic brought it put everybody online which they thought that was a good thing and it's moving us into this you know this new frontier but he was talking about the stranglehold of schools and the path to decentralized education and he himself admitted the school where he works and it's Dr. Ben Blair the school where he works he's like well we're not really decentralized yet and we still have the the you know the central the I mean he basically admitted well they're not they're there and neither, not. <laughs> neither is Dallas College and so uh, you know and, and, and they they paid consultants they paid BCG B, uh, BCG Boston Consulting Group 18.3 million dollars over the course of, of uh, several years to transition them from what was once called the Dallas County Community College District, seven individual unique campuses that were resources to the community and all ages could access this. Now they're using, now they've shifted to Dallas College, this top-down central, the, I mean it's just ironic and, and um, more importantly they're using the public schools to backfill their declining enrollment. So think about that. They're taking the kids out of high school before they're ready, yep. giving them dual credit and, and earning college credit, which there's nothing wrong with that, but they're using it to backfill their declining enrollment. Yeah, honestly, these kind of roles, you know, for most people, it's a great thing if they remember to vote for president, like every mm -hmm. four years. Yeah. And, and then maybe every two years they remember, oh yeah, isn't there House representatives? And then to get them down the state level voting. And so this kind of role, the control over a very, very large amount of money and right. policies impacting families. And for most people, it's, it's hard to even think about paying attention to that. I mean, they just, and so to yeah, have someone busy. of your caliber and intelligence and commitment running for this, I mean, that, that what a gift you would be. What a gift you'd be to that well, organization. Well, thank you. So. I mean, and it doesn't, the thing about it is, is you don't have to be this genius. You don't have to be a lawyer or people think that what they need on the, in these elected, elected positions is an attorney or a doctor, you know, that, that kind of, no, you need average citizens who care, who show up, who read the agenda items, who actually dig into who, who are we going in, who are we sharing student data with? Who are we giving our tax dollars to? And, and it's really simple to ask a bunch of questions. It does not take, it's not rocket science. Lynn Davenport, if people want to find you, is there a website yet for your campaign or should I, they well, find you on Facebook? Or? I'm not, no, because I'm not doing campaign donations. I'm not making signs. This is a word of mouth grassroots thing. Uh, they can find me, I'm on Twitter, Lynn S. Davenport. I'm on Facebook, Lynn Strawn Davenport. And, uh, and then the Offbeat Business Media Network, you can find me uh, Lind, Social Impact with Lynn Davenport. That's a great name, Social Impact with Lynn Davenport. It's a play on words, thank you. Yes, it is. <laughs> Lynn, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Debbie. Great to have you, it's great. Okay, my friends, I'm gonna two other quick stories. Um, one is a very quick thing. We talked uh, recently about the Project Veritas group and how they had managed, they've done many things that really bring to the public attention stories that would never get out there, information that wouldn't get out. And just a very little story before I, I do have an amazing thing to play for you, so don't go anywhere. Amazing thing to play for you. Uh, related to uh, COVID, related to the, um, the America's frontline doctors and an astonishing rule uh, ruling in a court in France regarding 
regarding uh, the COVID vaccinations. But a very quick story on the Department of Justice is it, and it, so Project Veritas, you know, who's just, um, you know, they, they are undercover. They are definitely a protected journalist organization, journalism organization. Um, and so they were involved in litigation. And uh, in the litigation, the U.S. District Court judge uh, rejected, so the Department of Justice going after the um, Project Veritas, the judge in the case ruled that the Department of Justice had to treat Project Veritas, had to recognize they had journalistic privileges. Basically saying, you know, this is, this is a First Amendment issue, Department of Justice going after a journalist, you know, we have special protections for journalists. And so this judge ruled, U.S. District Court judge, um, ruled that they had to have, the Department of Justice um, had to go through a process. The prosecutors had to operate under supervision of a special master to ensure that the First Amendment protections for Project Veritas were being upheld. What Project Veritas has now discovered, and of course immediately disclosed, as they always do, is that the Department of Justice went around behind the back of this judge, went back to a special magistrate to extend a surveillance they had already gotten permission to do. Basically, is the Department of Justice saying to the court system, you know, we, I know you ruled that we can't do this, but we're going to do it anyway. And they got caught, and so now Project Veritas has put this out. I don't know if there will be consequences. Let me restate that. There won't be any consequences, I don't think, for the Department of Justice. But it is a, a helpful thing to recognize how determined the Department of Justice is to shut down a group like Project Veritas to spy on them. They're basically spying on eight different reporters and their emails, so they're keeping track of Project Veritas, a journalistic, I mean, picture if they did this to New York Times reporters, which they wouldn't do, because New York Times and Washington Post are on their side. I do want to wrap up this segment uh, by making that point that you know, when you think about the Biden administration, the Department of Justice, and the entire bureaucracy, they already have the New York Times, the Washington Post, pretty much every journalistic outfit in the country on the side of the left. New York Times, Washington Post, it's just all the big newspapers, and they still cannot even comply with the law as it regards one small outlet, Project Veritas, that has embarrassed them, basically, embarrassed them over a number of issues, won't follow the law because they, Department of Justice, under this Biden team, it's not enough that they have 98% of the journalistic sources in this country on their side. They cannot tolerate one group, and so they continue circumventing the judge's ruling continued spying on and grabbing the emails of these eight journalists because they could. And I got to tell you folks, this is a, I always talk about preserving America, a First Amendment notion that you protect journalists. It, it couldn't be more important in terms of something you protect as a country. And um, I, as I say, I'm sure there'll be some ruling by this judge and some, you know, scolding of the Department of Justice, but probably nothing will happen except I do want to drive home to you how determined the uh, leftist this administration is to say nobody questions us, nobody embarrasses us, nobody makes us look bad. Okay, this last thing I saved for the end of the show, or we're getting near the end, we still have 20 minutes, so don't go anywhere, but this is a, a most amazing thing that came out from the organization I mentioned many times, uh, AFLDS, which is America's Frontline Doctors. And so they were, I'll quickly remind you, an organization founded right after COVID came along and you had NIH and other entities in Washington and other just healthcare authorities uh, very strongly denouncing all of the, um, uh, the medications, which many doctors around the country were saying were very helpful to treat COVID patients, pushing toward the vaccines and, and a big push. And we've all, we talked um, ad nauseum on this show about the vaccine mandates, vaccine passports, inability to work if you don't get a vaccine, lose your job if you don't get a vaccine, can't go to a restaurant if you don't get a vaccine. I mean, true pushing of them. Now I want you to hear this most amazing uh, report from America's Frontline Doctors of a ruling that happened. Now it happened in France, but the basis of it, which we're gonna talk about after this little clip, is, uh, is very, very ripe to happen here too. But first let's play that clip. Hello, fact finders and truth seekers. This is Dr. Peterson Pierre with America's Frontline Doctors bringing you today's Frontline Flash. So in France, there was an elderly, wealthy businessman who got out life insurance for millions of dollars. He got the COVID vaccine and he died. 
So the life insurance company is not paying out because they decided that the COVID vaccine is a medical experiment and death from a medical experiment is not a covered entity. Furthermore, even the judge says that the side effects from the vaccine are well known. They've been made public. There's absolutely no way that this gentleman could not have known the side effects. He willingly chose to get the vaccine and he died as a result. And because it was a choice, they're calling it a suicide. Um, can you repeat the part of this stuff where you said all about the things? And suicides along with death from experimental drugs are not covered in life insurance. So I know what you're thinking. Oh, that happened in France. That would never happen in the US. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, but the American Life Insurance Council has also said that life insurance policies may deny payment if you die from the COVID-19 vaccine because they are experimental drugs. There you go. This is something we thought might happen. We're seeing it happen. You might. Okay, my friends, you know, I want that to sink in because this, you know, this is not, this is France that has a fairly developed modern judicial system. And what they basically said in summary is this individual, his family was denied his life insurance benefits because he died from taking the COVID vaccine. The COVID vaccine is experimental said the, the life insurance company and the judge upheld that the vaccines are experimental and that everyone knows they're experimental. Like it was, it's a knowing choice to take this vaccine when you recognize how experimental it is. And I'm filling in now, but you recognize also that there are plenty of other available treatments, but you chose to go with this experimental and dangerous choice. And because you recognize all this data is out there and you chose to go with an experimental drug, the vaccine, it was ruled a suicide. I mean, I, why I really want that to sink in because I'm going to show you a chart in just a moment of that is this information having been raised by, um, I'm going to get this person's name, um, raised by someone in America who has left BlackRock. I'm going to talk about him in a moment. But this is a ruling by a court that said basically you're con you can be considered to have committed suicide because you died from taking the COVID vaccine. And everyone knows the COVID vaccines are experimental and dangerous. So he didn't get his life and his family didn't get his life insurance coverage. And in America, as you heard this doctor from America's Frontline Doctors point out, the American Life Insurance Council is also saying it may be the case that life insurance companies in America, life insurance policies may be turned down if a person dies from the COVID vaccines. Again, because they are experimental. And I want to make this point because this was a really big issue early on, whether or not the vaccines were considered experimental. When the government wanted to force everyone to take the vaccines, they quickly tried to move past the designation experimental because obviously people get concerned. And when that first came along, I remember America's Frontline Doctors. I love that group. I love Simone Gold. She founded it. She's been on the show many times. She's a wonderful person but they were relying on this idea about calling the vaccines experimental. And even I had the reaction early on, well, that's the first thing that these authorities are going to do is drop the designation experimental, which they did. They can, but you can't magically transform the content of the vaccines, the impact of the vaccines from being experimental as they are into being the type of vaccines we normally consider the type of testing, the testing period, the data collection that normally occurs before a vaccine is widely used and encouraged and, and almost mandated, which is that usually it's like a five to seven year period. This was raced through, as everyone knows, very quickly. And so the government raised the amount, you know, waved the magic wand to make it not experimental, but it still was experimental. Is experimental. It doesn't mean anything, even though the government says it's not experimental in terms of the definition they now have given. Companies, life insurance companies that are actually losing money, losing money because they are paying out in vaccine for vaccine deaths, paying out life insurance policies 
in rates they had not previously done. And so, you know, when you're a life insurance, you're in any kind of insurance company, you run numbers. I mean, you have to figure out, you know, what are the odds of a certain person? I mean, in order to stay in business, I'm not saying to make billions of dollars. I'm saying just to stay in business as an insurance company, you have to be able to assess the risks and the risks are tied to the age and, and health of people in the case of life insurance. All sorts of other businesses, when, when they get insurance, they, they assess risks and they price the policies based on those risks. Well, when these life insurance policies were sold, they were not assuming that many people would be taking what has turned out to be a rather deadly, more deadly than expected, alarming vaccine and choosing to take it. And so the life insurance companies are the ones paying out. So now I want to ask Mr. Becker to put this chart up uh, and I'm going to tell you, leave it up there for a second. Okay, this chart merges data from two sources, the CDC and the American, the uh, census, U.S. census. What it is showing, you see that big red line, that big red arrow, uh, that is showing all cause excess mortality in the United States for people between the ages of 25 and 44. Look at that huge bump up in, uh, for people of that age. Now, obviously, you know, the age of 25 to 44, assuming you did not have a comorbidity, you know, those people, they'll give them life insurance policies at, at fairly reasonable rates because they're unlikely. I mean, they may experience an unfortunate car accident or something, or can, but for most part, these people are very healthy and plan to live a long time. But the reason this data is so relevant is because life insurance companies in America have started to comment on the excess mortality for young people between the ages of 25 and 44. And it's not because from COVID, they're not dying of COVID, they're dying from the vaccines, or so goes the argument. Now, I will tell you, there's been a lot of um, conversation. I haven't tracked this gentleman down, but I may try to do it. Edward Dowd, formerly with BlackRock, and this is one reason he left, he wanted to speak out about this, about this idea of inexplicable excess mortality in America and spiking right up as the vaccines and their popularity are kicking in. Now, I'm sure there are people who are going to dive into the data and try to understand what percentage of those people were, you know, some other issue. Uh, maybe some of them contracted COVID after getting the vaccine, but there is an excess mortality uh, discussion going on online and other places, basically making the point that, you know, we all got really railroaded, pushed into the vaccines because of Anthony Fauci, NIH, the entire medical establishment in Washington, D.C., CDC, FDA, all of them pushing the vaccines as the, you know, savior of mankind. And at the same time, really simultaneously denigrating the uh, quality, the effectiveness, the efficacy of all sorts of treatments, which many people, including many doctors around the country, are trying to say, hey, we have hydroxychloroquine, we have inhaled budesonide, we have ivermectin. These things are working great. And you could not get the medical establishment in Washington or really in most states, the establishment medical people to even acknowledge that. Everyone went all full tilt for the vaccines. And this is kind of chickens coming home to roost. I will say, I am sorry for the death of any individual. I, I'm, I'm sorry if people pass on from COVID. I'm sorry if they pass on due to the vaccines. But my show is about freedom and the freedom of the American citizen in this country to choose his or her health care and especially to decide whether you want to have an experimental drug forced into your system. Now, many people chose yes, and I am not faulting. I, am, I have plenty of friends who, who got vaccinated, plenty of friends who don't. I don't judge anybody. I, I think you make those decisions for yourself. I do hold, I think we all have to hold to account the federal government, the Anthony Fauci's of the world, the individuals who have pushed the vaccines to the exclusion of other effective treatments, and on top of which, who are taking no accountability, no responsibility for the spike in deaths, no acknowledgement of it yet to date, uh, no responsibility for the VAERS data, which many people who talk about in the show many times, the VAERS data showing uh, an, an astonishingly high rate of, uh, for, as compared with other vaccines, um, of death and serious permanent injury. I also will say, if you're listening to the show and thinking, well, dang, I already got the vaccine. I know many, many people who've gotten the vaccine and are just fine. I am not, I, I don't want to be alarming. 
And I do actually, truly, I am, a, I am a deeply believing Christian, and I truly believe, even if you have, I, I, I believe in God's power, I believe in God's power in your life, whether you're dealing with COVID, you're dealing with an after effect of a vaccine, I truly believe God's more powerful than COVID or a vaccine, or, I mean, God is omnipotent, and, that's, and that is what's true in life. And so I don't want to be spreading alarm without encouraging people this notion that you really, ultimately, want, you want to trust in the idea that this omnipotent God we know about from the Bible and we study is really present and powerful. But back to America and back to where we are, it is unconscionable in America that we are looking at this kind of death rate and no apparent responsibility, no acknowledgement yet out of Washington, out of the Fauci's, NIH, CDC, FDA, all those groups about what it seems to have occurred in the, uh, over the after effect of the vaccines. Um, and they're pushing more. Fauci has emerged wherever he's been under a rock for two or three weeks, emerged first thing out on the Sunday show saying, yep, yeah, we may have to have, uh, go back to some restrictions and some shutdowns because we got this new variant coming. And I think the people of America have had it. I don't think they're going to go along with whatever he next claims has to happen. And most certainly he is of the mindset to say more vaccines, more boosters, more vaccines. I really hope people will feel in America and understand they do have a personal responsibility and a personal right to control their health care and not simply do what the Anthony Fauci's of the world suggest they do. You do have freedom in America and you should assert it and you should understand this data and you should feel as though you can be the one to decide for yourself whether or not you want to have any further boosters, vaccines, or any other uh, effort the uh, government tries to put out to deal with COVID or its latest variants. We're almost out of time on the show. I do want to mention um, for our radio listeners that you can go to our website, americachemitalk.org. On the homepage, you can hit subscribe, get our once a week newsletter. Uh, love to have you do that. That list just stays with me, goes nowhere else. The newsletter is free. You can join America Can We Talk on the homepage under show, you can under members, you click on that, you can join. It's a mere $50 a year. You can join, you're, you're a member for a year. It gives you discounts on our uh, upcoming uh, summit we have in October, uh, October 15th. I'll be announcing some of our speakers soon. We have great speakers already lined up. Uh, a, a possible spring summit and all of our products, all of that on our website. So I urge you to join. I also urge you to go to mypillow.com. You can order products at mypillow.com. Put in the promo code DEBBIEG, D-E-B-B-I-E-G. You get up to 66% off on your whole order. For radio listeners who are heading off, come back every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk. For online listeners, I always close the show every week by telling you, every day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today talking about Biden's new world order is not a blunder. And I hope you can read this. I'm going to read it for you because it's a little bit hard to see in the screen. Joe Biden at a business roundtable meeting on the 21st uh, yesterday, there is going to be a new world order out there and we've got to lead it. Twitter's corporate uh, volunteered reply. Just listen to, here's how Twitter responds. New World Order. Unfounded claims about the New World Order conspiracy theory are discussed after President Joe Biden used the phrase as he spoke about the United States response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine during an address of, uh, at Business Roundtable CEO's quarterly meeting. Again, trying to dismiss and mock the New World Order. It's not a real thing. It's just these conspiracy theorists crazies. No, it is the same thing as the Great Reset. Great, same thing as what Klaus Schwab is talking about. The New World Order is not a conspiracy theory. It is the agenda of the World Economic Forum. It is profoundly anti-American. It is a fundamental transformation Obama intended. And on lawless Biden DOJ versus Project Veritas, Federal judge ordered Biden DOJ to honor the Project Veritas journalistic rights, must temper surveillance or other activity to abide by First Amendment press freedom. Project Veritas uncovered documents proving DOJ ignored the federal judge ruling, complete defiance of the judge's order, utter lawlessness from the nation's Department of Justice. FBI, DOJ, and the intelligence agencies have gone completely rogue, acting as a law unto themselves. The collusion hoax, the January 6th farce, the false flags, reform or repair from within now seems impossible. American restoration requires complete starting over with all of those agencies. And I mean that. And taking COVID jab ruled a suicide. 
truly astonishing big pharma versus big insurance and COVID fraud. Excess mortality traceable to COVID vaccination now showing up worldwide, causing life insurance payouts beyond norms, hurting earnings of the life insurance companies. Life insurance companies are fighting back, denying life insurance payouts for deaths from the jab, death from use of experimental drugs not covered. Death from choice to use experimental drugs with known side effects, including death, is akin to suicide, which is never covered by life insurance. Already asserted in France, U.S. life insurance industry may be leaning the same way. Industry titans are fight fighting is interesting, but the real elephant in the room? Excess mortality is prima facie evidence the COVID vaccines are not safe and effective. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Tune in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. America Can We Talk? Truth about America.